0: Hey everyone, in today's episode we're interviewing our first hard of hearing guest, Brian Bay. His part will be performed by voice actor Kenji Wong. You can find the link to the transcript of the episode on our link tree.
1: I want everyone to be equal. I want everyone to feel supported and loved, including myself. When I'm drawing a self-portrait, I always draw my hearing aids on my ears so that people know that I have them. It's a part of who I am, and it's not something I want to hide from the world. Uh, You can tell how much I draw myself that I am proud of these things, and that I want people to see me how I see myself.
0: Hello welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Zalanda, one half of your co-host.
2: And I'm Yuki Okamoto-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Brian Bay. He is a Korean-American VizDev slash designer and currently working freelance from Los Angeles. And our first uh, deaf slash HOH, hard of hearing guest. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself?
1: Hey, thank you for having me here. Excited to do this with you guys. To add on to what you said, I'm a prop and character designer currently freelancing on a Cartoon Network short. (laughs)
2: So the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. We are going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm ready.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather have had your soul trapped in a cat, like Joe from Soul, or... Have your body molecularly altered to become a pigeon like Agent Lance Sterling from
1: Spies in Disguise. I would go with my soul trapped in a cat because I like to sleep a lot and I could have people to feed me. Oh, I could annoy people and escape somewhere to be lazy myself.
0: Yeah. You don't want to fly and then poop on people? That so doesn't interest <laughs> oh. you? <laughs>
1: oh. Oh, 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 that's a game changer. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a game changer. Okay. <laughs> You know, I I changed my mind. I want to be a pigeon and poop on people and their cars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I haven't thought of that. (laughs) Oh, man.
2: Okay. Final question. Would you rather travel with Jackie Chan collecting all 12 talismans or with Goku collecting the seven Dragon Balls?
1: Ooh. Dang. Okay. Okay, this is so hard. Um... (laughs) We got him. We
2: got
1: him now, Ray. <laughs> uh, oh man, just a moment. If if I was animated, I'm gonna go with Jackie Chan because I'd also be good at martial arts. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Jackie Chan. I kind of don't want to hear Goku screaming.
0: Ah, dude. You don't want to hear his screaming?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. It's too much screaming. You know what I mean, Ray? <laughs> no,
2: that's I mean... that, totally. That's really funny.
1: You know, I think that at one point they were screaming for like one like solid minute. Like, oh my god, can you just like s- like get on with it already?
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for more than five minutes. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs>
2: I, I have a brother like that. He screams a lot. He like yells a lot, and I'm like, can you calm down? I'm on really? Discord now, so that I could just turn his volume down. Uh. <laughs> it's okay. He knows. He knows.
0: So yeah, I just want to briefly thank Brian again for being on. Like Yuki mentioned earlier, this is our first death slash hard of hearing guest. And we kind of want to give more of a spotlight on individuals like these. And hopefully we can learn a little something more as we kind of progress within this podcast episode. But to kind of start off, Brian, can you describe to us what your role of a prop and FX designer is as well as what is your day to day like as a freelance artist?
1: Ah yeah. So my day to day with me being a prop designer is that I design props and effects from the boards that are assigned to me. It's all shared online. I try to measure the discrepancies and bridge the gap between what needs to be designed and what's happening on the screen. So I work closely with either an art director or my lead prop designer on the visual language to see what they're looking for. That's my typical workload.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So actually, uh one of your recent experiences that you were doing is you're working as a prop and effects designer for Aquaman, King of Atlantis. You describe yourself as a freelance artist, but was that your first gig in house?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually my first real gig in house. Uh, I thought I was gonna get a little chance to be at the studio for a hot sec, but pandemic happened. Mm. I thought maybe we'd return to work in the studio, but we never did, so darn. I never got the opportunity to see it, so I'm just working from home again. Uh, My experience on Aquaman has been a huge honor. I enjoyed it and learned a lot from my lead for props, Kyle, and showrunner, Victor. Uh, Everyone on the show worked really hard, and I can't wait for you guys to see it if you enjoy action comedy.
0: But Dan, that that must have been a a real shame, that your first in-house opportunity, and it's still from home. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's still working from home, but I still see people through video calls... I never got to meet them in person, but it's still cool to be a part of the show I worked on and everyone Mm -hmm. was awesome and everyone worked really hard.
0: Mm, Totally. So because it was working from home due to the pandemic, did it feel different from doing freelance or were you actually able to get to know the crew a lot more for being in-house slash work from home? Because I know with freelance, from what I've heard, you don't get to interact with a lot of the crew members. You just kind of get assigned a thing and you just do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right about the assignment. But that's fine. I got to meet people through video calls. And it was really cool, you know, interacting with people having a conversation getting to know them. Even though you can't see them in person, you will see them soon enough after COVID. Maybe I could see you guys too one day.
2: Yeah, one day. Yeah. hopefully. One day.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's very different doing freelance from home, alone, working. As opposed to interacting with people, it's a very different feeling. So, I much prefer working in-house than doing freelance.
0: So, to me, that's really awesome that you're... Uh, that, yeah, you even though it's working from home, you got to get to know the crew a little better. Which is also part of like the fun part about being in the industry and, and working with others, even from home. For you, though, what are some challenges that you have faced being... Uh, death and hard of hearing in the animation industry?
1: I would say it's kind of hard for me to keep up with multiple people in one call. Like, you know, when everyone is talking all at once, I'm an expert at reading lips, but it's hard for me to find and switch to each person talking. Uh, I need to focus on them to understand, but it's hard when everyone is talking at once. So I would always go, what did he or she say whenever I couldn't hear? I prefer to do one on one or one on two conversations so I can keep up. I would say that's one of the most challenging parts for me
2: I'm curious when they hired you on uh for your uh like freelance or your uh, first industry job in house did they accommodate you in any way like doing right now Ray and I are using the closed captions on uh, Google Meets to sort of help you out so was there anything that uh the hiring team did or uh, stuff like that? Or were you up front that I am uh, hard of hearing, so please, can we use this?
1: Yeah, like, whenever they found me and reached out to me, I told them that I am hard of hearing, that I have hearing aids, and they knew at the time that I needed. The showrunner on Aquaman, uh, Victor, we figured out that we had to use Google Meet and Zoom so that we could have closed captions on Google Meet. So it's been a very smooth process through the whole meeting they would have Zoom sharing the screen on Google Meets. I'm not sure how they got it to work, but it did.
0: <laughs> so from what you said, it seems like it's more beneficial for you to have like one-on-one time, which is honestly kind of kind great because like whether you're doing VizDub or Story, like you can talk with your higher-ups on a one-to-one basis anyway. So from there, it doesn't really seem like as an artist, it doesn't hinder you whatsoever. It's just more, I guess, social aspect when it comes to maybe talking to multiple people yeah. it can be an issue but when it comes to you doing your art majority of the time you only talk to your director anyway so correct me if i'm wrong but there's no loss in communication there correct
1: mhm yeah it's kind of hard for me to keep up even with closed captioning on because mm-hmm. i can also read from who is talking yeah when i'm trying to hear i try to focus on the person that is talking but like on aquaman when one person is mainly talking and then someone chimes in with a little thing, it becomes harder for me to keep up. Totally. hmm Often in a pitch that will happen with people just going at the same time.
0: Okay, yeah, I can totally see how that could be hard. Luckily, there's always an amazing PA in these kind of meetings that are taking notes that you can always refer to later.
2: Wait, you have a PA that takes notes for you?
0: Uh, lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't? <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, okay. I mean I still take my own notes, but either the PM or uh PA takes general notes of the meeting, you know, and then shares it with us. Well damn, nobody takes
2: notes for us. Well at least at my old
0: job. I think the PM
2: used to take notes or had an itinerary for our meetings, but we never got to see them. So I started taking notes and sharing them with the rest of the animation team.
1: Oh oh yes. Yes, most definitely. Uh PA took notes during the meeting and we would get those notes right after the meeting. I was glad to get the notes so I don't have to ask a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, it's really lucky. (laughs) See, I'm not the only one. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. So, Brian, you're actually uh, a co-leader of the Death, Disabled, and Neurodiverse uh, group within the Animation Guild 839. If you can, uh, could you talk about what are some of your goals in the union?
1: So me and Marie, my other co-leader, we were just talking about our main goals. Uh, They're safe community, accessibility, and hiring equality within the industry, and more positive representation within animated media. Currently, we are working with other committees within A39 and management departments and various studios. We're also working with an accessibility and sensitivity consultant to draft what we would like to see in the workspace for us. That's our three main goals. Well,
2: that's really cool. Uh, what do you mean by safe community?
1: Well, for example, Marie has a wheelchair and it's very difficult for her to get to the entrance where she works. We're trying to spread awareness on what we can do and what others can do to help.
0: So it's, it's great that you and Marie decided to start this. How many years has this has uh, DDNV been around?
1: Oh, I I actually don't know because Marie was the one that started all this and she reached out to me if I wanted to be a part of it to contribute and about the people who are in need. She's the one that's doing all of this and I'm just, I'm just here to help. I mean, she's been doing everything by herself and I'm like, oh man, she's doing everything and I don't know where to start. (laughs) So yeah, just talking about what I can do to help whenever I try to keep up with her. So I'm trying to do my best.
2: It's good. Mm Mm-hmm. It's good to just uh, be around and help support that cause. Uh,
0: So something if uh, you can, uh, if you could dispel one or two common misconceptions people seem to make about deaf slash hard of hearing artists, what would they be?
1: I get mistaken to know American Sign Language because I'm deaf, hard of hearing, have hearing aids. I actually don't know how to because I went to public school instead of school for the deaf. My mom wanted me to have a better chance at life without having a hard time fitting in and thought it would be a different reality for me. I'm glad she made the right choice for me to be more free.
0: So is there anything the animation industry or animation communities can do to be more inclusive
1: to artists with disabilities? Just being vigilant in doing due diligence to provide accessibility. Being prepared beforehand instead of us having to constantly ask for reasonable accommodation is key. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really don't know much, but just got to be more open and vigilant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's key.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I'm learning a lot already from uh, setting up and then doing this recording to uh, learning about accessibility and how we can have those tools available, right? hmm And be more collaborative.
1: Yeah, and it was also cool that we can have the CC Audio Live on Google Chrome. I was like, oh, man. <laughs>
2: yeah, you were telling us earlier mm-hmm. about, uh, is it just in Chrome? Or is it, are you using an extension?
1: Ah, it's an extension. Yeah, it's an option where you can turn it on and off. Mm-hmm. So I just have it on the whole time.
2: That's so cool. And it works on like Spotify and, and all those other kind of programs too, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you are on Google Chrome, you can auto-generate whatever. Mm. That's really cool. And like
0: something like in theory, so simple can be like really beneficial. Like that's the fact that like, yeah, doing the CCs can be just so helpful to someone that is definitely hard of hearing. Like you said, right now, if you were on Safari or using the Spotify app versus on Spotify, Google Chrome, it wouldn't be able to kind of extend there. But creating things that can make stuff accessible for the hard of hearing could be vastly beneficial. Exactly. So for you, Brian, how long did it take for you to land your first industry opportunity after graduating from Ringling College of Art and
1: Design? It took me four years to land some actual real work. The funny thing about my first real freelance, I was in New Zealand, and I remember it was 2019, and I got an email from Cartoon Network if I was interested in doing freelance. And I was like, oh my god, but I'm over here. (laughs) And I emailed asking if they could wait till I got back from New Zealand. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can wait. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And after I got back, I got the freelance. And that's how I got started.
2: <laughs> not, the, not the crisis. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, no, I'm in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, yeah get the job. Oh, so, no. <laughs> they asked if I could start right away. And I said, oh, now. No, no, I'm in New Zealand. But But it was very cool that they were willing to wait. So you we were just in New Zealand just to vacation, just a fun trip? Yeah, I went on vacation with my girlfriend and my friends for two weeks in New Zealand. We were just exploring North Island and South Island. It worked out.
0: Yeah. While you were on your trip, we were like, oh, got to get back. That freelance gig is waiting for me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. <laughs> but they were cool to wait. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Mm. So for you, how was that transition from being a student to a working professional?
1: Ooh, man, that has been a bumpy ride because I wasn't pushing myself right after college and I had been in an art rudder or something. Being a designer, there's only one or two spots for prop designers and everyone is competing for those spots. I've taken a lot of design tests before and never made it to the next step. So I'm like, whenever they give me the news, like, Thank you for your hard work, but we've decided to go with a different candidate. I mean, it's not a great feeling when you get that kind of news. Still, it's rewarding when I get the opportunity to do the test. You know, you got your ups, you got your downs, highs and lows. And even if at every opportunity you get shut down, just just keep going. Just keep going, I would say. Then finally, I got the first freelance work in 2019 before landing my first real gig in 2020.
0: Would you say you're more comfortable in your role being a prop and fx designer whether it's in-house or freelance now versus when you first got started or are you still like a little nervous from job to job
1: I feel more comfortable working in person cuz you get to work in the studio and see your coworkers in your daily life everyone has their own point of view but that's what it is to me as opposed to being at home and freelancing when you're just emailing and not talking it, it's not fun
2: yeah, like more of a connection.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to get an in-house job, so I just keep trying and trying.
0: Yeah, man, I'm really glad you shared that. Not everyone is fortunate enough to get an industry job right out of school. Sometimes it takes a couple years or more. But like you said, you just got to keep trying. You got you to keep going. So actually, something I'm, I'm really interested in, could you talk to us about the brand you started, Bear and Lamb? And what made you want to start your own shop? And if you can, can you, for those that may not be aware, explain what Bear and Lamb is?
1: Bear and Lamb is actually my girlfriend and I's nicknames. So I'm Bear and she's Lamb.
2: Uh, Aww. <laughs> I get it. Your name is Ah, it's, oh, uh, it's really good. <laughs>
1: yeah, Yeah, my last name. Bay and add the R's to bear, and then my girlfriend's name is Mary. So,
0: oh, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cute.
1: I call her lamb <laughs> most of the time. Oh, that's just too cute. <laughs> so, I really wanted to start the shop because I love collectible pins. I wanted to design some pins. We want to design more characters along the way. So, we do that, but being exhausted with work most of the time, we haven't had the time to get back into it.
0: So I, th- I think it's really cool that you opened up your own shop with, with your girlfriend. Because something that I feel like, uh, especially in this age where younger artists especially are like are hustling and trying to have a diversities of, of income. How important do you think it is for us as artists to approach different revenue sources
1: outside of our full-time
0: slash freelance work?
1: That's a good question. I don't really know, honestly. (laughs) I just wanted to do it. It's tough to juggle all you're doing with the shop and what you're doing full-time.
0: Yeah, because there's so many artists uh, that have their own Etsy shop or that have Redbubble and stuff to sell their art and things of that nature. And it's, um, again, it's just another way, especially when living in LA, just uh, uh, other revenue source.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. I'm just always saying, "fake it till you make it. Sometimes when I see younger artists try to hustle, that's all I can say to them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So so tell us about your experience at Ringling uh, College of Art and Design. And how did you feel their program prepared you for life after college?
1: My experience at Ringling was not very good. Ah, damn. Oh, okay. What I learned there was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the animation industry rather than doing illustration for advertising and editorial. I wanted to do visual development. So it was kind of different for me.
0: So you were in the illustration major and that wasn't what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. So what my take... So this was in 2010. Oh, my God. It was so far on the past. So... What I learned at Ringling was crap. So after I graduated, I had to relearn again using online videos and tips from artists that were in the animation industry. I was focusing on self-learning, what I wanted to do. I'm sure that everyone has different opinions, but for me, it was just different because they didn't teach me what I thought it would be. It wasn't what I wanted to do. So after I graduated, I retaught myself.
0: Okay. I I guess my question would be because railing is an art school you had to enter with a portfolio when you first applied so did they not give you the proper information or did you want to be an animation but you were only accepted into the illustration program
1: yeah I remember at the time I was doing traditional work and that's all you are doing essentially in the illustration major honestly I didn't know much about it the only reason I went to Ringling was because my cousin went there, so I was just following wherever my cousin was going. As I was drawing, I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do, and I wasn't able to transfer majors, so I just stayed on in illustration until I finished.
0: Honestly, that sounds unfortunate. It's like, again, it was of a situation where, like, again, no school is perfect. Sometimes you go to the wrong school. Sometimes you go to the right school. Sometimes school is not even the answer for you, but again, you you took the initiative to teach yourself to reach out to artists that are working in the industry, so you can learn and enter the industry. Yeah. And yeah. L- like luckily, it didn't seem like it hindered you too much because you're still, you know, you have a great career. You've been, you've worked for several different companies. Uh, you're, again, working for Cartoon Network, working for Warner Brothers and whatnot. But I can also still see that, like, if you were, I guess, more aware or were in the major you wanted, it could have set you up a lot better. But again, you didn't let it hinder you, which is, I think, pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, uh, oh, man, it's it's not like you graduate, you get your first job. There's a lot of ways to get better and get where you want. But if it doesn't work out the first time, you just have to work harder. Hmm.
0: Exactly. So something that I want to talk about, it's a fun thing that you're doing is that you've been working on a personal project called Magic, but it's spelled M-A-G-Y-K. Can you tell us a little bit about it and of the inspiration behind Magic?
1: Yeah, sure. I've been working on this personal project for about three and a half years now, on and off. I finally have a new title to replace Magic. (laughs) It's (laughs) called Chrome Magic. I don't know if I actually have a final answer for it because it's all over the place. It has venture, fantasy, and sci-fi elements and takes place in a retro sort of world. I'm constantly changing the ideas like whenever I watch a show that inspires me I say oh oh man that's pretty good. I should write that down. <laughs> I'm always changing ideas but my top inspiration of what I wanted to do is always the Avatar series uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this but the animated movie Paprika.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, it's so good.
1: Yeah, Yeah. It's insane animation and the last one is Last Man, a French comic. That's sort of the combination I wanted to do.
2: These are all very different <laughs> from one another. I will say, <laughs> I I know what all of those are. Very different.
1: Yeah, yeah, mash it up, mash it up. That's what I <laughs> wanted to do.
0: <laughs> so this is something. So is this something you plan on pitching for a show, or is this like a graphic novel or a comic series, or is this just a fun portfolio piece for yourself to kind of help you get your next job?
1: For now, it's just for fun. Uh, Nothing serious, but I would love to turn it into a show one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Is there any other future aspirations that you have for the animation industry and for your career?
1: Just one thing I've always wanted to do is make a show with a co-showrunner. Because me and my roommate, we've been talking about wanting to run a show together. And we have a lot of ideas of what we want to do, but it will take some time.
0: What kind of stories would you want to tell?
1: If given the opportunity. Probably pro-magic. <laughs> I, I obviously have other ideas I want to do, but everything is pretty much Okay.
2: And real quick, we usually ask our guests, does your culture, either in your case as a deaf or hard of hearing person, or as a Korean American, have an effect on the art that you create?
1: Usually, yeah, it does. To me, importantly, I want everyone to be equal. I want everyone to feel supported and loved, including myself. When I'm drawing a self-portrait, I always draw my hearing aids on my ears so that people can see or know that I have them. It's a part of who I am, and it's not something I want to hide from the world, but rather be open and show them. Uh, You can tell how much I draw myself that I am proud of these things and that I want people to see me how I see myself.
2: It's really
0: nice. It's great, man. Yeah. So finally, what advice do you have for those that want to pursue a career in the animation industry?
1: <laughs> that, that, that question made me think a lot. Uh, there's so much advice I could give, but if you want it, just keep pushing yourself. It's okay to feel rejected, but you'll get stronger. A lot stronger, actually, if you keep trying. Oh, wait, hold on. It's It's cheesy. But I had a fortune cookie from P.F. Chang's when I opened it and I saw it. It was like it really was the best feeling I had because I believe in the fortune cookie. (laughs) It said, keep going. It will all work out the way you want it to. And I have it in my wallet right here.
2: (laughs) Believe in your fortune cookie.
1: (laughs) Thank you, P.F. Chang fortune. I would always say that advice to myself.
0: No, that's that's nice. And uh I love that. wide words from a fortune cookie.
2: Yeah, keep it in your wallet. That's it. So <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug?
1: Yeah, my Instagram is BBay2. My website is Brianbay.com if you guys want to check it out. I have my personal projects on there as well. If you want to text me, I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, you can check out my online store that I run with my girlfriend at baronlam.com, and that's bear, spelled B A E R. And this has been Kenji Wong reading the transcript for Brian Bay. If you'd like to follow my work, I'm on Instagram at Kenji underscore underscore K or streaming on twitch.tv slash mighty sensei. Uh, you can also email me direct hengi.c.wong at gmail.com for any inquisitions. Please hire me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, well, if you enjoyed our interview with Brian today, please rate us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP and let us know your response to today's in-between questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcasts at gmail.com. Shout out to Marie Love for connecting us with Brian for today's interview. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier.
0: Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.